Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus with producer Sanaa Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Yo, what's up? This is Chase, a.k.a. Mr. International, a.k.a. Mr. Passport Don Dada. I'm here hanging out with the lovely Miss Ina Esco at Verbally Effective. I'm Condi Anthony from WMC Action News 5. You can join me weekdays on Channel 5 at 5, 6, and 10 p.m. I'm hanging with Ina Esco on Verbally Effective. of the Verbally Effective Podcast. I am your host, your double E, Ina Esco. I'm so glad you guys joined me today. You could be anywhere in the world, but you are here with me today. And you know what? Before we get started, I'm going to send a big, big, big shout out to the Consortium MMT for allowing me to be in this wonderful studio space today. And also, um, I'm going to give my cash app out because you know what? It kind of costs to put this whole production together. So if you guys would like to give a donation, support your girl, my cash tag is Ina Esco, E-N-A-E-S-C-O. I appreciate you guys. But we're going to get started right now with episode 178. Wow. 178. That's right. That's right. And I'm very excited today because I have with me Influencer, and he is the pastor over there at Limit Breaker Church. His name is Donald Walker Jr. How are you, Donald? Hello, everyone. Hey, how you doing, Miss Ina? I am great. How are you? I feel wonderful. I'm blessed to be here. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. Um, you know, your publicist reached out, and I saw your bio. I said, I need to get him in here and see what's going on, because it seems like you have a very interesting story. Most definitely. And I want you to share with us today. So let's start at the beginning, Donald. Okay. What part of Memphis are you from? I grew up there in South Memphis, Whitehaven area. Okay, okay. And how was it growing up out there in South Memphis? Well, I had a fair balance. Uh, if you know about Whitehaven, that was a decent side to mm-hmm. grow up on around uh, 1997, 99, 2000. Yeah. But my father passed in South Memphis, so my grandmother lived in South Memphis. So I grew up on DeVent in South mm-hmm. Parkway, but I also grew up on Elvis Presley and uh, Rosita. So, you know, I know where that is. Yeah. Wow. So um, tell me about your family structure. I know you said your father was a pastor, is mm-hmm. a pastor. Um, you have any siblings? Most definitely. Uh, I was born and bred in ministry. Of course, the scriptures say trained up a child in the way he should go. When he get older, he won't depart from it. So mm-hmm. my family uh, instilled ministry in me, compassion, along with my uh, sibling. Uh, I got three other siblings. Okay. Uh, uh, Sherry, Tootie, and Donna. Okay, you the only boy. Now, we've been blessed to um, meet another young man as well that okay. is close to us, named Kevin Walker as well. Okay. So, you know, 
so I'm not the only boy. I got another brother as well gotcha. that I was blessed to meet, you know. Yeah. But you know how, like, family dynamics with yeah. the brothers and the sisters are. Were mm. you very overprotective of them growing up? Well, they more overprotective of me. Ooh. <laughs> okay. I try to protect them, you know, do okay. my best. But, you know, they're going to always be there to fight, you know. Okay. Do whatever is best to cover. I understand. But, I understand. And you're a PK kid, so, yeah. you know, preacher's kid. Tell me about being a preacher's kid. Was it every Sunday I got to be at church at 8 o'clock? I got to go to Bible study Tuesday evening. Yeah. I got to go to the program on yeah, Friday. I mean, I mean, the most challenging part about being the pastor kid was um, finding your ident- identity outside of ministry. That was more of a, a comfortable personality among your peers. So, you know, going to church and school, you know, one day after the next, you know, having to go to revivals and then having to go to school the next day, you mm-hmm. crying and you slobbing one night and then getting into it with your friends the next day at school. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I, I enjoyed experiencing, you know, uh, the many different relationships between ministry because there was the youth department at church, but then there was the school kids that okay. sooner or later would call me church boy. Mm-hmm. And then when I would become minister by the age of 12, I received or accepted my calling. Then I got preacher boy. Wow. Wait a minute. Did you say you, you accepted your calling at 12? Yes, most definitely. I've been in ministry for 20 years. Okay. So, okay. Let's, let's fast forward a bit to the age 12. <laughs> when you accepted your calling, what happened? <laughs> I mean, tell me about that experience, because mm-hmm. you often hear, mm-hmm. you know, pastors, preachers talk about accepting a calling. Mm-hmm. And like when I first met you today, I said, you know what? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't look like a pastor. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just no, look like, you know right, what I'm right, saying? Right. Like you don't have your suit on. Mm-hmm. You don't look very like holding a Bible. Mm-hmm. Like maybe perceptions or generalizations mm-hmm. of what a pastor may be. No, but no. I can definitely speak. Feel a spiritual energy from you. I definitely feel that. So tell me how it was to accept your calling. Well, my father would put it this way. He said that if he was um, if he was a car mechanic, I would have grown up learning to fix on cars. He said if he was you know into the streets and selling you know dope, then he would taught me how to cut dope or cocaine. Uh, he said he wasn't into the, any of those fields to teach me. He was in ministry. So I was inspired by seeing my father operate as a man of the cloth, mm-hmm. you know, being a help to the community and, of course, the congreg- congregation. But um, I was inspired. Of course, I believe I was called in the womb, but I don't believe I accept my calling until his death. I lost him twice. The first time I lost him was in t- uh, 2007 mentally, where oh. he no longer remembered myself or my family. Oh, uh, no. Uh, we were on our way to pick up my suit for my prom, and we stopped by Kroger's to pay the cable bill. If you remember, Ty and Warner were being cable, mm-hmm. and he told me to uh, pull the car around. And I'm pulling the car around, waiting for him to come out of Kroger's so we can go and pick up my tux for the prom the next day. And he um, has a heart attack in the store. And goes into cardiac arrest, oh, no. loses oxygen to his brain, mm-hmm. loses his memory, doesn't remember my mom, my sister, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, the crazy part about it, the only thing he did remember that he was a pastor. He did remember he did that. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> he remembered the address okay. of the church, you know, but he didn't too many remember uh, too many. Uh, he didn't remember too much of the members, you know. 
uh, forgot his mom and dad name. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was tragic to see his life be so full of life and blossom and, you know, energy and then dwindle down because of his illness and sickness. And I'm there crying, weeping, you know, uh, not understanding the transition that my life is getting ready to take. Right. You know, right. so it, it, it grew me up fast, losing yeah. him at a young age. Mm-hmm. So, um, my mom, of course, took on being a caregiver. She got with my father at the age of 19. Wow, and sweetheart. Yeah, I love my mom. Um, she's she's dear to me. She was with my father between 19 and 45. Wow. So she, you know, was married to him. She wore a size 4 when she became the first lady. Ooh, you know, I miss a 4 now. You know, I'm talking about her shoe size now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. I so I'm sharing this to say, uh, just her youth and her, you know, yes. immaturity stage that she was in with my father, and mm-hmm. she, you know, gave her life to being a mother, a wife, and a caregiver. And I love her so much, you know, dearly. She has been strong to me even as a minister, and she survived breast cancer. She mm. went through breast cancer, and now she's caring for her mom, who is now uh, in dementia stages. Wow. You know, so the cycle of life. You know. You know, so she's really been a strong force in the absence of my father. You know, my sister is another alpha female and strong in her mm-hmm. functioning and operation. Uh, she has started, uh, I don't know if you heard of this beauty empire that is building in the city called Trap and Braid. Yes. So that's my younger sister, Donna wow. Walker. Okay. And she's amazing. She has uh, three locations. You know, one is a school that licensed and certified young ladies to open up their own business to do hair. I think I just saw something on the news last week about it. Yeah, I believe it may have been on there. And mm-hmm. that's her. You know, she has a lot of my father in her. And to see my mom be able to be there to give her love and support, yeah. you know, because my mom didn't get a chance to live her own life. So they kind of suspended me even in my um, affection for romance and marriage because I saw my mom do something for my father that I questioned if I would want done mm-hmm. for me. Wow, that's deep. Right. That so deep. now I get looked at as, you know, well, you know, are you this or are you that? You know, I don't see you with anyone. You're not committed, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to cross some, uh, jump some hurdles or heard a preacher put it like this, that, you know, you want to name some animals, uh, name the responsibilities. Or like if you remember in the book of Genesis, the Lord had Adam to name animals before he got, you know, mm-hmm. with his spouse or I his helpmate. You know, so I'm still naming animals. That's what you're doing. <laughs> He's still naming animals. Right. Okay, Donald. Now, let's talk about, you know, how you actually got your church. You are a pastor over Ooh. there at Limit Breaker Church. How did this come about? And, you know, like I said, look, you saw young and vibrant. And I'm like, okay, he's a pastor over here. And you know what? To me, that's very inspirational mm-hmm. because... You know, I, I feel like you're relatable. Almost definitely. Very relatable to your congregation, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so tell me the, tell me the deets. Well, picking off where I left off with the death of my father, that separated our ministry, causing our family to go differently, uh, mm-hmm. going a different way. And it um, connected me to a great team of people there. Um, My ministry, of course, is called Limit Breaker, but I have the uh, privilege and opportunity to serve at this amazing property and facility Mm -hmm. that is owned by uh, Dr. Tonya Lyons. And she's an amazing uh, doctor, Dennis, who also owns this amazing, you know, facility that my ministry occupies. So, you know, I'm blessed 
to have this opportunity to service the people of God weekly at 6720 East Rains Road. Better plug it, baby. Better plug it. 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m. on Sundays, and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. So uh, we live, we love, and we grow, Mm non-denominational. And the Lord put in my heart after 100 days of prayer. I woke up every morning at 5 a.m., disciplined my life, getting to the altar. In spite of what I was doing that night, I made sure I got up that morning and got mm-hmm. to the altar because I wanted to have a relationship with God, not through organization, not through membership, but just between my father and me being his son. Mm-hmm. And when I took on that relationship, understanding you know, my true, tr- my true sonship, I wanted to uh, exit out of the occupation of employment and serve as a father. So... You know, I believe, of course, you understand that, you know, the difference in between one who may be a hireling, you know, and one who may be a father. I took on this spirit of the father role coming into uh, the fivefold apostolic understanding. Mm. Being filled with the Holy Spirit changed my outlook on how to serve the people or being used by God. So, you know, you know, it's not a job for me. It's my service. It's my responsibility, you Mm -hmm. know. So it's a relationship thing. I can't sleep if I don't do it. You mm, know? It's so, in you. Right, most definitely. And you're a singer as well. Yes. Okay. Mm. So, so. Well, I try to sing, so I don't, I can't sing, sing, but, uh, you know. Uh, I, I heard you singing. <laughs> Sound good to me. <laughs> I try to come as close as possible. Aren't you over there singing at Limit Breaker? Yes. Aren't but, you leading? You know how you go, come on, church. But you know what I'm saying? That's, that's. That's that's gift. Okay. You know, you know, I let the Holy Spirit lead me most definitely. But you know, okay. I know I know a lot of amazing singers that mm-hmm. if I compare myself against them, I'd be like, no way. Well, we you should know? not compare. We should uh, my, not compare. Just you let him use you. Yes, amen. Let yes. him use you. Okay. Yeah. And you say it's a gift. Yes. Let's talk about occupation versus mm-hmm. gift. Now, how does that play a role in you being the pastor over there in Limit Breaker? Well, um, again, we were speaking of the term hireling, you know, uh, many individuals who may go to school for a particular degree, they receive their credentials to work a particular occupation, they serve it in a professional way. When you're operating in the spirit of excellence and truth, it's not about being professional, because McDonald's is professional, Mm -hmm. but Chick-fil-A is excellent. You know, so, you know, no shade to that, just to deal with the uh, culture of how they look at the two, Mm -hmm. you know, restaurants. And that is our perspective or should be our perspective as it relates to ministry that I'm not serving from you. You have to pay me for what I'm doing. You know, you don't pay me for what I'm doing. God pays me. He sent me out. Scripture says when he sent me out, I didn't have anything. But because of the word that's in me, I came back with everything that Mm. I didn't have. So do you do an offering? So, of course, that we may raise uh, seed offering in a form of tithe or offering, but that's according to their faith, mm-hmm. you know, you know, according to if they care to obey the scriptures. Mm-hmm. But I also share with them that if you don't pay your tithe, it's not going to send you to hell. Why do everybody think that, though? Well, I mean, I think it's just a thing of, you know, scaring them into being responsible for the agreement that they may have made with their landowner or mm. their, you know, leaseholder, you know. 
this money got to be paid, and you can't go down to Memphis like gas and water and say, we shouted today. Right. They're going to say, where them coins at? You know? <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> They're looking for the money for the mortgage, the rent, the lease, the light bill, and let's not count the inside operation, musicians, singers, and so on. It takes a lot to run a church. You know, yeah, it takes money to run it, and sometimes you can um, burn out relationships with people that, you are serving with who are saying they're doing it for you and not doing it for God. You know, mm-hmm. and I get very weary or um, leery about serving with people who are doing it because they're connected to me and not because of God that called them to do it. Mm-hmm. So how big is your congregation? Well, we're now maybe seeing the numbers between 75 to 100 on Sundays. Okay. You know, we're still practicing CDC um, uh, standards, uh, making sure everything is still mm-hmm. safety safe for those that are coming in. But the facility holds up to 2,000 or more, okay. you know, but we still just make it conducive and easy for that crowd that comes in, yeah. you know, during this time. Wow. And I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, the CDC standards because mm-hmm. when COVID hit, mm-hmm. people was like, how am I going to go to church on Sunday? It, it totally changed the trajectory, I would say, of yeah. the church somewhat of how we receive the word, right? Mm-hmm. So there were no more going to Sunday services, right? Mm-hmm. There were, you know, all the preachers getting acclimated to technology now. Because if they didn't, then yeah. how were they going to, you know, um, speak with their congregation? So what happened for you during COVID? How did that affect your world? Well, again, with me working with such an amazing team, the property never had to uh, shut down because we also offered food. There on the or from the property, we have a daily food pantry there. If anyone in the community was in need, we was still able to you know uh, help them. So therefore, we was able to continue to uh, operate. The building was open. We may have shut down maybe uh, two months when uh, there was a national, um, you know, national um, ban on us operating. We understood it and wanted to make sure we fall in alignment with the orders and everything that was happening. But when we got our um, clearance to be able to serve the community while, yes, they're having services, as long as we create the space that was necessary, we went forth. But I did have it in my house for a while, you know. Really? I went from my home. I had cameras set up. You know, we did the iPhone, iPad, Uh you know, tried to do the Zoom and lost a lot of good people in that time because, you know, the truth came out. You know, Uh why am I really doing this and who am I really doing this for, you know. Uh To where that, you know, a lot of spells were broken on both ends, you know. So even in this transition of me understanding the opportunity that I have and working for the kingdom without being held hostage by his people gives me freedom to be more creative. Yes. You you understand that? So that's what, you know, this COVID or this pandemic season has done for me. And I'm sure for a lot of pastors that have had a chance to see that you got to get the job done with or without them. You know, and when I say them, I mean the congregation who may come one Sunday and may not show up the next. Okay. You know, but, you know, we're called to serve, you know, whether they come or not, Mm -hmm. you know. So I thank God for the strength. I'm actually working on a series now at the church called Inside Power. Okay. Saying I'm not counting on sources to feed me on the outside because greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. So. Amen. 
Yes, you said the truth came out during COVID, huh? Most definitely. In that marriages, is so true. Ooh, yeah, think about how yes. many divorces may have happened. You know? Yes, yeah. overall, yeah, just I've, with everything, relationships, with with yeah. employment, with mm-hmm. everything, everything changed. I found out the truth about who you really are in our illness or mm-hmm. in the culture illness, the world illness. And it's not know? over. No, it's not over. It's not mm-hmm. over. Wow, but it does look like the world has opened up. Yes. So I see you guys are, you know, back in, in social distancing mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And you know what? It makes me think about um, a few of the stories that I've, I've watched or, or I've heard um, with different pastors. Um, I, just the fact that now you were grown up into this. You was a PK and everything. Mm-hmm. Did anything change for you when... And, and I'm saying maybe nothing did change, but maybe something did change when you, you know, actually became the pastor over there at Limit Breaker. <clears throat> did people treat you differently? Because you have all this responsibility now, mm-hmm. right? Did anything change for you as far as how people looked at you? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think um, I think it was a shock for me to land where God placed me because it would have seemed as if it was... Um, you know, ahead of my time, you know. Of because course, of your age? Because of my age, you know, there may have been uh, areas, of course, that I may have not been fully mature and developing. Okay. You know, that God was yet taking his time with me. Um, but there were certain things that I understood about the back room that I so having to be an assistance mm-hmm. and a help to that because of what I experienced with my father and his ministry, my mother and that congregation, I got a chance to have an insight that people have my age maybe never experienced. That's true. You know, so besides the gift of being able to minister, preach, and sing, it was also a gift of administrating, making sure that things properly, you know, t- handle or be handled take place from the ushers, mm-hmm. you know, um, auxiliaries, different departments, mothers and deacons. So, you know, just making sure everybody knew their role and worked together in unity where there was no friction, you know. Mm -hmm. So you got to have a team leader among, you know, Mm -hmm. the people. And I've had so many great people to help push and help make things easy for me, such as Deborah Gunn, of course, Tanya Lyons, Mm -hmm. and uh, one of my mentors that was dear to me. He's no longer at the church now because he moved out out of the city, but uh, Pastor Andrew Seacrest. And he shared these words with me that were, um, it transformed me. He said, never allow your passion to take you further than your development. Mm. And I connected that to what my father shared with me, telling me it's always better to be axed up than to be axed down. Yeah. You know, so it's just, you know, just just not um, spilling all your power out at the same time before understanding, you know, you need authority as well. You know, it's one yeah. thing to have power, but it's another to have authority, you know. It's a process. It's, it's a, it's a, a mm-hmm. line of growth. And... And because of my affection for many of the people that are there on the property or disconnected to the ministry, I made I made decisions, you know, out of my love and connection for them that could have not had anything to do with my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. You know, had nothing to do with my understanding in ministry. I just love who I love, mm-hmm. you know. And because I love who I love, I kind of made sacrifices and tried to um, become provision and protection for, you know, certain individuals that mm-hmm. I connected to, you know, in wow. that time of my life. Amazing. Okay, yeah. Donald Walker Jr., do you feel that you have the same preaching um, style as your father? 
Or are you the the uh, a different with a twist? I don't know. He was he was he was powerful and anointed. That you know, I pray to be you know as powerful and, and anointed as him. You know, of course, because I've come over to more of the apostolic fivefold speaking in tongues. I never got a chance to experience that in the Baptist ministry growing up. But my father would often tell me about services he would go to at Bountiful Blessings with G. Patterson. Mm-hmm. That 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 spirituality of his ministry was almost hidden and took under his occupation. Mm. See, the Baptist church is not necessarily the entity that receives, you know, the female pastor, neither operates in the fivefold or, you know, the speaking in tongues. Mm. So those are functions that doesn't necessarily take place in the Baptist ministry that I kind of became accustomed to and one with in the uh, non-denominational ministry. You know, the liberty to become one with God's spirit, to be free to dance, free to worship, free to sing, mm-hmm. and almost taken over by his spirit that you may speak in unknown languages. But, you know, as um, Peter said, we ain't drunk. We're just overtaken by the power of the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. I got filled with the Holy Ghost at 21, and that changed my life. Wow. You know, I went from seeing myself as being a preacher to a worshiper. So a preacher, of course, preaches the gospel. And me understanding that I'm a worshiper, I could be used for anything he needs me to be. So if it's a preacher, a teacher, evangelist, you know, whatever whatever he needs me to be, he can pour into me and use me because mm-hmm. I'm making myself available to him without being captured by occupation. I got you with the occupation. I got you with the okay. occupation. Now, you speak in tongues, right? Yeah. This has happened to most, you. Most definitely, yeah. So it could just land on you. I mean, we can get into a moment right now that we keep talking, you know. But, you know, God does things decent and in order, you know. You know, I, I wouldn't make a mockery of him. He's not going to make a mockery of me. So, therefore, this moment right. about us understanding, it's just more of, as um, Paul say, I speak to those who don't understand with one language and to those who do understand with another. Exactly. So, exactly. you know, this platform is more set for universal speaking. Yeah. And I'm just glad to be a part Sorry, of it. Can't look, I can't turn it on. I can't turn it on. Like <laughs> a, but if the Lord saw fit. If the Lord saw fit, most definitely. And I would understand you probably. I'm sure I would. And, <laughs> you know, I'm glad. You said in the apostolic uh-huh. realm, you all accept women. Yes. And, and like you said, a lot of congregations are maybe, I guess, different forms of religion. They don't. Why don't they? What is going on with it? Is there like a... I mean, written I down somewhere. I don't think it's necessarily anything against uh, the woman in general. It's just mainly passed down traditions and bylaws that help keep things in a, a professional, structured way. You know, but when you speak of the apostolic or the power of the Holy Ghost, it skips, you know, structure. You know, it breaks protocol in order for the power of God to be revealed. So sometimes you need situation in order for you to experience revelation. But sometimes when you follow the letter of the text instead of the spirit of the text, you're always going to be captured by um, what's right and what's perfect versus, mm-hmm. you know, what's graceful. You know, God is not looking for us necessarily to be perfect, but his grace is to make sure that even in our weakness, he's, he can supply us, you know, sufficiently. That is know? true. That is true. Now, so, we, we've seen, you know, quite a few pastors mm-hmm. over the years, um, I guess that were very powerful <coughs> that were exposed for doing different things that you would have never thought you know like like people say pastors are people just like us mm-hmm. right like yeah and when you mess up in those roles you lose your job you know your your occupation your occupation but 
you never lose your relationship with God as yeah. a son. So, you know, you're never supposed to serve in the leadership as a leader or a pastor unless you've been sent. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're serving in that position as a hireling or one who may have been um, one who felt the unction to start, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing that on your own will. Yeah. You know, so you got to deal with your own consequences because, you, you know, you it. did that yourself. Yeah. But anything that God put you in, he's going to take care of it. That's you know? true. That's so true. I truly believe I was sent. You know, mm-hmm. my grandfather was a, a tremendous mentor in my life. He passed away just this um, beginning of the last the last part of this last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we buried him beginning of this year. And um, he, I, may, I believe he may have been 86 years old, but wow. he had been in the ministry over 50 years, mm-hmm. you know. So he passed it over 40 years. That's a long time. So between time. my grandfather and my dad, those were mm-hmm. elders and mentors and ministers who led me. At the age of 10 years old, Bishop G. Patterson laid hands on me. I was doing this Hall of Fame. They gave me the opportunity to read uh, the um, introduction for the induction for him to become one of the honorees for the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in elevation. You know, I couldn't read at all, but I'm there, you know. But, you know, and he he paused the entire ceremony and had people to stretch their hands at me and lay hands on me. I have a photo that I lost. That's powerful. You know, and it's moments like that I cannot, you know, negate or minimize because something happened in that moment with me being connected to that man of God to where I didn't come up in his reformation. I didn't go to his church. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a member, but yet I had a relationship with him somewhere in the spirit enough that even today there's a young lady. Um, she, does, she doesn't know me. I don't know her. And she does nails at this nail shop, and I stopped by to see a friend. And when I walked in the building, she stopped what she was doing and began to wail at the eyes and cry. Mm. And, you know, I'm looking like, is everything okay? You know, so she asked my friend, who was I? And my friend explained to her who I was and said, it's just a friend of mine coming to pick up item I was coming to pick up. And she said, I have not felt what I felt uh, since I've been around uh, Bishop G. Patterson. Wow, she said, I used connection. to do his nails, you know, she said for over, so I, I, Annie, I think is her name, mm-hmm. she used to do his nails, and hands and feet, and she said that I hadn't felt just the weight of this presence. Mind you, I look like this now. I came mm-hmm. in with some sweatpants, tennis shoes, just laughing, talking, but she said she experienced something in this moment that I was there that she hadn't experienced since her moment with G.E. and Bishop G.E. Patterson, and, he, you know, he's passed away, but that mantle, you know, that he had is still here in the atmosphere. And so many other great ministers and pastors, they carry that. And I'm just glad to be a part of that that fabric and thread yes. of elders and ministers that carry that greatness that's not legislated by reformation or occupation. Or occupation. Wow. Look, I got a little tear coming down my eye. What happened? <laughs> I, I went to L.A. I got to tell you this because this is so freeing for me. I shared with my loved ones that I felt as if I was almost claustrophobic. I was captured in this four-wall body, and I know that may sound weird, but it's like a four-wall personality that I wanted to break. But it was so many people I loved that needed me in this four-wall that I maintained this occupation. I maintained mm-hmm. this personality, and I don't want to cry either, so I'm trying to talk loud. Oh, my God. This is so <laughs> heavy, guys. So... Again, for the lady or the family that I love there at the property, mm-hmm. I jumped back into the matrix of the occupation. 
Mm. I already knew the danger of the occupation. I knew what was wrong. I knew what was right. Mm -hmm. But I did it because I love her. The ministry, the church, and everything. So That's okay. So I held on to everything just to make sure everybody could be a part of a ministry. Right. Because my dad had passed away. Church said that uh, we don't want to deal with you and your mom. So no, they didn't. Baptist ministry, pretty much, when we hire the pastor, we're not hiring the family. Mm. We're pretty much just, you know, taking on. So I'm torn in between. I can't go home right. to my family church. And now someone is receiving me with love that I want to provide for and protect. So okay. you say that people change on me. I went through the worst. Because I understood something that no one else did. Right. But um, I fought through it. I grew through it. I learned through it. I messed up in it. Plenty of times I messed up. Because I was um, taking on a role, again, that I may not have been developed and mature enough to do. But I had enough heart to handle it the right way. Right. You know, so I don't look for anything back from it. You know, it don't owe me anything. Because mm -hmm. I made the decision to volunteer my life, you know. Yes. So now I got a son got Jerusalem. Mm. Um, it's dealing with the death, burial, and resurrection. Okay. So I feel like I've experienced my death, my burial. You know. Resurrection. Right. You and this for the long haul, Donna yeah. Walker Jr. <laughs> yes, look, you got me on. Oh, my gosh. I was not expecting to feel this way on the Verbally Effective Podcast yeah. today, but Donna Walker Jr. <laughs> brought out those feelings, and... You know what? I appreciate you for coming today and sharing with me, um, for enlightening me about so much. And, you know, I, I feel like you are destined to, um, you know, serve in the capacity that you are serving in right now. You are over this congregation. You have been called. You have been chosen. Uh, you have been gifted. You have the gift. And, you know... Continue to keep your heart in it, your soul in it, and lead the people. Because that's what we need right now. It's just so many lost people right now. Mm -hmm. Especially with COVID hitting. I mean, this pandemic has turned things upside down. Yeah, We've all had to pivot. We've all had to make sacrifices. Mm -hmm. We've all been going through changes. Yeah. And I know you've been through the fire. I can feel it. I know you didn't been through the fire. So what I want you to do, Donald, is let everybody know how they can check you out over there at Limit Breaker Church. Well, please, if you have social media, you know, you can follow us on Facebook, Donald Walker Jr., or Lim uh, IG, Donald Walker Jr., a underscore 89. Uh, YouTube, of course, Donald Walker Jr. And please download our single that we just put out, a Jerusalem featuring another great pastor in the city, Enns. Enns is amazing. Pastor mm -hmm. Dante Purnell. Uh, he pastors the church called M Impact, and I would love for you guys to check him out on social media as well. Uh, he's amazing. But uh, the single has dropped on all social, I mean, uh, digital musical out outlets. Mm -hmm. So please check it out. Services start at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Address again is 6720 East Range Road. I hope to see you this Sunday if you're free. Yes, go check out Donald Walker Jr. And Donald, could you leave us with some inspiring words for the verbally effective audience? Uh, uh, three things that I believe that were most important in succeeding. Number one is God having your ear. Your number uh, after your ear is your time. After your time is your weakness. Mm. He needs your ear 
your time and your weakness. The scripture says, let he who has a ear, let him hear. Next scripture says about your time, he shall meditate day and night. Last one uh, that deals with your weakness, he says that I'm going to give you strength in your weakness. So I have to be honest about my vulnerability. I have to show him where I am weak so he can make me strong. Yes. So, you know, yes. give okay. him your ear, your time, and your weakness. Well, thank you so much, Donald. I truly appreciate you for being my guest today. Uh, thank you so much. On the Verbally Effective Podcast. I'm going to have to go check you out over there no, at Limit Breaker. Do. I don't belong to a congregation, <laughs> but I am looking for one. Come on in. Check us out. I'm now, mind you, we you don't out. do membership. We just do family. I'm just showing up. I'm family. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming through. I'm so coming through. But thank you so much, Donald Walker Jr. Yes, I really appreciate you. Thank you for my team as well for setting this up. You know, Monica, amen. Shout out to Monica. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Monica. And thank you all for tuning in to yet another episode of the Verbally Effective Podcast. Don't forget that Cash App tag. Tag Ina Esco, E-N-A-E-S-C-O. If you would like to donate or support to this entire production, we are impacting lives over here at the Verbally Effective Podcast. Thanks for listening.